Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all again. Thanks for having me. Might have to take up residency here soon, if that's all right. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So, story. Um, so we've been looking at the the, the, the blessed series, and, and this is the final uh, one. We've we've looked at begin with prayer. We've looked at listening. How are we doing with the listening? Yeah. What about eating? How are we doing with the eating? I think we're all doing all right with that, aren't we? Yeah. Um, serving. And, and the last one is story. Now then, we've all got a story to tell. Every single one of us. I'm sure if we all sat down and had a little bit of a, let's share some stories, just of life of what's gone on in life. Um, and obviously, importantly, we're talking about the story that each one of us has in our relationship with Jesus. But this week, I'm sure some of you have had some kind of story that you could share. Now, I'm not going to ask people to do that because you may not be prepared. So, I've got one that I'm going to prepare, that I've prepared earlier. And, and just something that happened... Uh, just a little story that this isn't anything to do with with with, with um, Jesus or faith or anything else like that. It was um, my dear wife, bless her. She's not the best at looking for her and finding and 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 leaving her mobile phone in places that we can't find. So so on the phone, there's there's a little bit that is find my phone, and I'm regularly, you know sending a little bit of a ping, where is it kind of stuff. And it was on Friday um, that she said, I can't find my phone anywhere, not worried about it. I said, okay, fair enough. It's probably upstairs or it's in your car or something like that. So I did the usual. And I couldn't find it anywhere. It wasn't, it wasn't on. I was like, mm. one. So, you know, where do you think it might? She goes, well, I might have left it at work or something like that. So I'll call in the morning because she, she had Saturday off. <coughs> and we're lying in bed and we're just like, you know, just a little bit of a, oh, Lord, well, you know, just the way it is, isn't it? It's just a, it's just a phone. Don't worry about it. And all of a sudden she just went, oh, I know where it is. It's in the freezer at work. <laughs> One eye open, looking at... Sorry, sorry, what? I know where it is. It's in the big freezer at work. Now, she works at Tiptree, at Barleylands, um, and they have these massive walk-in freezers with all of the produce and everything. And then she was sorting it out on Friday. They've got an inspector coming, and she was just making sure that everything was in place. But it hasn't got a light inside it. You have to keep like, the door open, because obviously... So she had her torch on her phone to, 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 to illuminate the, the room and just left it there and came home. So I, I said, well, it's been six and a half hours in deep freeze. I've got no idea if it's going to... Can we go and get it? Because I don't want to have to worry about getting it in the morning that it's had like a good 12, 12 and a half hours deep freeze. So at midnight... <laughs> Friday, we jumped in the car, 
We're both kind of like in tracksuit bottoms and pyjama tops and that kind of stuff and we head to Tiptree at Barneylands. And because Kate's got the keys to the back door, we went, she goes, what, what if security come round and find us? And I went, well, we've got a story to tell, haven't we? <laughs> and they didn't, we found it, and it was all okay. And do you know what? We put it in the airing cupboard at home as soon as we got home to thaw it out. I mean, it was solid. It was like properly. I mean, I was like, I'm going to put it in the, you know, you've got the little pocket at the front of the hoodie. I put it in there just to start keeping it warm. I mean, it was frozen solid. Um, and it worked. The next morning, plugged it in and it worked. She went, there you go, all's fine. I'm like, yes. So a bit of a story. You know, we've all got a story, something that's happened this week, and she'll probably kill me for sharing that story, but I don't care. It's all right. Someone said this apparently, preach the gospel at all times, use words when necessary. Have we heard that before? It's, it's, it's assigned to St. Francis of Assisi. Okay, it's mostly attributed to him. But guess what? He never said it. <laughs> it's only until you do a little bit of research that, that he never said it. So preach the gospel at all times, use words when necessary. It's really basically, it's, 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 a, it's a great sentiment in the sentence that, that we should be Jesus. We should be the relationship that we have with Jesus. You know, um, What he did say was that all friars, not friars, but friars as in monks, abbots, that kind of stuff, should preach by their deeds. That's actually what he said, and it's kind of like done the whole Chinese whispers, moved around, and that's what he said. Well, he never said that, but it's the same kind of sentiment. Our deeds should match our speech. And as we look to conclude our series on bless, we need to consider that sharing a gospel message isn't just about words. Uh, by listening, by eating and serving, we act out a good news message. By being Jesus. People will see that in us. I think that by conducting these actions, we are engaging in the gospel message with others, just like Jesus did. So what's your story? What's your story? What's your story when it comes to a relationship with Jesus? This is a really important part of the Blessed series. Um, and it's one that matters. You can tell everybody about <coughs> somebody else's story and they may believe you. <clears throat> we hear amazing stories of people who've come to Christ for amazing, powerful in interactions and saved from, you know, we even sung about being saved from the pit. You know, as David was, was writing those psalms, the psalmist was writing those psalms, that, that he was in this dire strait kind of thing. And actually for some of us, well, I've never really been in the pit. I don't feel like I've... And actually sometimes for us, it's, my story's not that great. It's not true not true our story and our relationship with Jesus is what people want to hear because it's truth it's the truth of how you have interacted with Jesus not somebody else because when you've built a relationship with someone as you prayed for them as you listened as you've eaten as you've served them 
Well, what's your story then? Why are you so nice? Why are you so... And that's where you've got, right, now I've got you. <laughs> now I've got you. Now I can share my encounter with Jesus. And the story I'm going to look at is in John 3. A uh, very famous uh, story that, that we read about in John 3. And uh, it's got a passage in there that we all know very, very well, John 3.16. And John uh, tells us that Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus. Going in and out here. It's all right, back. And um, what I find interesting is that the word history, I love looking at the word history because it's his story. It's Jesus' story. When we look back at history, it is, for me, his story. Sorry, this is a... You hear me all right? Is that okay? Sounds like I'm going in now. Um, we share his story. And Jesus here is sharing uh, his story to Nicodemus. So I'm going to read quite a chunk. It says, Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world. People have loved the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so 
so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Quite a chunky passage. But this is the... Nicodemus is a, a religious leader. He's, a rabbi, he's, he's one of the, um, the teachers of the law. Yet he comes to Jesus to ask questions. And it says that he came at night. Because he didn't want anybody else to see him. To come and talk to the one that everyone is planning to crucify. So Nicodemus is, is asking these deep questions and Jesus shares a story with him. The story of heaven, the story of what God has done for mankind. That whoever believes in him will not perish. It's an account that we, I, I see here in scripture that Jesus uh, tells that story of heaven. The opportunity that people have to get into glory uh, with the Father, that they are not condemned anymore. It's interesting that uh, Nicodemus himself uh, didn't go away an unbeliever. A little bit later on in John's Gospel, uh, we read that he was one of the two that prepared Jesus' body for burial. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, a religious leader. His life was changed by the story of Jesus. And a lot of biblical historians say that eventually Nicodemus was martyred for his faith in Jesus Christ. That nighttime encounter where Jesus shared his story of heaven changed this man's life. Now we've all probably had a chance to tell our story with Jesus, about our relationship with Jesus, but I've held back. Maybe there's been an opportunity that we just haven't felt it's the right time. And there are numerous reasons why we might say, I'm not sure I could share my story about Jesus. I don't have what it takes. I don't have the words. I'm not eloquent enough. I don't want to impose my beliefs on friends and family. We do live in a society where we are known as the bad guys a little bit. Because we keep condemning and judging and telling people they shouldn't be doing this and shouldn't be doing that, when actually we need to be loving them. So we feel that actually if I start to talk about God with friends and family, we're going to enter into some deep, apologetic theological discussion on X, Y or Z and I'm just not prepared. Or actually sharing my story makes me feel uncomfortable. My personal belief is that sharing your story of Jesus' impact on your life it won't be imposing your beliefs on anyone at all because you're just sharing your story, your life. There's loads of other people that will um, kind of tell others how they should act and how they should live. But in this blessed series, it's literally about how do we bless people, not condemn them. There's a great uh, missiologist 
which is a very weird name of someone that basically looks at mission and theology of mission. Uh, a guy called D.T. Null says, Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. I loved that. Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. It's understanding that the gospel message that we have is life-giving, not life-sucking. It's life-giving. We've been given life. We've sung uh, songs of praise and worship of what God has done in our lives. And our lives have been transformed by Jesus. And it is something we need to share with others. We need to tell them where the bread of life is. You won't have all the answers to people's questions. But it's about being willing to share how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Because your story matters. When you look at some of the stories that Jesus told, the the, the parables, a lot of people kind of go, were were they true? (laughs) Were they actually true? We don't know. Some may have. It's more than likely that actually they weren't true. It was just Jesus was using a story to bring a spiritual message. But your story of how you've encountered Jesus is powerful. And Romans 10.14 says, How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? It's important for us to recognise that we need to share our story. We need to share the light that is in our lives. And it's through prayer, listening, eating, serving, that you're able to share your story. As you develop a deeper relationship with someone, that friendship, that relationship develops where they trust you, trust your story. John 9, uh, 1 to 11, I'm going to read good to read the words. I think it's important to use the words as examples of what we're talking about. (laughs) It says, as he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither. This man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. I always am challenged by that. This guy is blind because God is just about to go and do something miraculous. We must work the works of him who sent me. While it is day, night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground, made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes. Saying to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Then he went and washed and came back to see. And 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 came back able to see. The neighbours and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? 
Some were saying, it is he. Others were saying, no, but it's someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. I love the story of the blind beggar. I used to love reading that as a kid because, oh, Jesus spat in the mud. Wow, that's crazy. What's he doing spitting in the mud and rubbing it in his eyes? It's all to do with the, the, the mud and the place around that at, at the time. Jesus was again using an example to cleansing. The, the, obviously, the, the pool as well was meant to have those cleansing, healing kind of properties kind of thing. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no it's, me, it's in me. The healing is in me. And he rubs it in his eyes. And, and Jesus changed his life. He was blind, but now he can see. And we go on, I'm not going to read all of it, because there's a, uh, you know, I love to read the Bible, but we'd be here all day otherwise. Um, and there's a bit here where, where, where the, the Pharisees are just like, what's kind of going on? Who is this? Who is this person that's going around healing people? This is Jesus. And, and he bring, they, they say, bring this blind man before us. He's not blind anymore. He's, he's there. And he's in front of them. And they actually, it says in there that they even brought his parents in to say, is this your son? Can you prove to us this is your son? I mean, talk about, you know what I mean? That, that was the rule that they had. You know, come in and we will judge you on your life. That's how evil these people were. Should have been looking out for others, yet they were looking for places to trip them up every time. And they said, is this your son? And they're like, yes. It is our son. He's been blind from birth. And it says the religious leaders twice questioned him. And he comes back with this. And I laughed when I read this in the week. He answered, I do not know um, whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know uh, though that I, she's talking about Jesus, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, "What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes?" He answered, "I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? <laughs> do you want to become his disciples?" He had such confidence because he knew he'd been healed. He knew he'd been saved. He was no longer a beggar. He could now work. And he's there before the religious leaders. They're questioning him. And he comes back with, do you want to be disciples? (laughs) He's passion. He's kind of like, you know, and I I read that and I was laughing because it was just like, they must have been so angry when he said that. Because he has now become one of Jesus' disciples. The story of this once blind beggar became a challenge to others. But it was undeniable he had encountered Jesus. And that's the same for us. Your story has a powerful impact. It may not be as powerful as having Jesus rub mud in your eyes but it's powerful in the scheme of things when you are interacting with others. Your story 
is believable because of Jesus Christ. Your story is what matters. And people will see that in you. In the book, the brothers um, write some some really easy kind of things and and towards the end of this, um, they actually say, you know, write down my life before Jesus, how I met Jesus, and my life since I met Jesus. Just as we're kind of like thinking, well, you know, what is my story? What would I say to someone? And they just, before, how I met, and after, how it's going. And I really love that. And I, was, I wrote down um, a few things for, for myself. And, and my life before Jesus, well, I, I became a Christian quite young. I was seven. I got baptised at eight. I grew up in a Christian home, first generation Christians. Um, so I kind of done church, I'd gone to church, but I also realised that, that actually I'd, I'd done things wrong in my life. That even as young as seven, I was arguing with my sister or whatever, and, and, and I just recognised it. And going to church, I recognised there was a need for Jesus in my life. And my parents had, had, had kind of walked with me in that. For me then, I would, I, I've, I've chatted to people and said, actually, I, I, I kind of fell away a little bit and then came back to God a little bit more when I was a teenager. Um, and and that, was a, that was that impact in my life. So what, I don't know what it was like for you. How I met Jesus literally was, my dad prayed with me in, on my bed, and I gave my heart to Jesus. And I can remember that vividly, where I was, how it happened. And I can remember the story of getting baptised as well. It was on the spur of the moment. Dressed in a white gown with just my pants on because I didn't have a change of clothing or anything. So when I came out of the water, great look! <laughs> Everything went see-through, which is why we say don't wear white. <clears throat> and it was, that's my little bit of a story. It's a little bit of a laugh, it's a little bit of a joke, but it meant so much at the age of that's how I might met Jesus. And my life since I met Jesus, interestingly, I was having a conversation with a young man during the week who's been having some struggles. And, and I said to him that, you know, I didn't go into all of the detail and everything of, of, of my whole life story, etc. But I just said to him, I find now as a Christian, I have identity and a purpose in life. My identity is in Jesus. My purpose is to share Jesus with others. And I said, I'm quite privileged that you know, I'm, I'm in, a, in, a, in a role as a minister that, that that's what people know I'm about. Um, if I wasn't a minister, would I do that? I said, well, I'd hope so as a Christian. I'd hope so. And it was interesting, he said, oh yeah, well, you know, identify that I, this is my job and this is what I do. And, and, and I look out for people in my job and everything. I said, that's great. But when you lose your job, who are you then? Oh, never thought about it that way. I said, my job can go. I will still have a relationship with Jesus. My family could go. I hope that I would still have a relationship with Jesus. I might have some big questions. Very much, and we, we talked about Job, how God 
restored everything after everything was taken away. I said, my identity does not, in my family, in my job, in my church, in my wife, in my kids, it's not my identity and my purpose is in Jesus Christ. Paul says in uh, 1 Philippians 21, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. For him to live was Christ. And I love that. That was all he was about. And we read so much in the New Testament how Paul was completely changed. Each of us will have a different story. I used to get the young people to share their story with each other. I'm not going to do that this morning. <laughs> but I used to say to them, write their testimony out and it's got to be in three minutes. Just a three minute testimony of how you became a Christian, what you were like before that, how you become a Christian, how it's going. Get them all to write it down and then they'd share it with each other. And I said, how hard was that? And they were like, oh, it was really easy. I was like, yeah. So why, why were you worried that you wouldn't be able to do it? And it's fear. It's fear that people are going to say something, that my mates are going to say something. And I said, if they're truly your friends, they'll listen. They'll listen. There are longer versions available than three minutes. <laughs> Five, ten, could be half an hour, who knows? But that's the thing, isn't it? It's just thinking about our story. Some of our stories are short, some are longer, and they require a meal or a coffee. That's what I say. So as we conclude this blessed series, begin with praying. Praying for those around you. Praying for those that the Lord may be leading you to or them into your life. Listen. Listen to them. Listen to their heart. Listen to their hurts. Listen to their pains. Listen to their joys. And in that listening, you can reflect and be praying. Eating is one of the best ways that we can stop and listen. I learned more about some people in our church at the newcomers meal a couple of weeks ago than I ever would just in church after on a Sunday because we stopped we ate we listened and I know a few more people in the church better than I probably would have done just having a coffee at the end serve people what that looks like might be different for every single one of us it may literally be grabbing one of those bin bags that's blown across the road and putting it back in place <laughs> where your neighbour's house is and just serve in that way. Simple stuff. No one else might see you, but the Father does. And that's the most important. He sees that. How you serve others and share your story. Be willing to share your story. Pray that God would give you the confidence to share your story. And that concludes our blessed series. Let me pray for you.
Father, we thank you that this series isn't just based on a couple of pastors' ideas, but actually it's based in looking at the truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Father, where Jesus went, place to place, he blessed others. We have seen that your son prayed. He prayed for his disciples. He's prayed for us. He prayed every day, Father, that you would lead him to the places he would go. And he listened. He listened to the people around him. He listened to the religious leaders. He listened to his disciples. He listened to the pain of others where they needed healing, feeding and clothing. And Father, he ate with Your son was tagged a glutton and a drunkard because of the people that he hung out with. Father, we thank you that he has set an example as he served. And the greatest serving that he did was on the cross for us. Every single one of us, the servant king, came to serve and die for us. But Father, the story doesn't end there. We know of the resurrection power. And Father, every single one of us in this room has got a story to share of how you have impacted our lives. Father, I pray over the coming days, weeks and months that everyone here will be able to have an encounter with someone to share the good news of Jesus Christ through their story. Father, we thank you for uh, this series and we look forward to what you're going to be sharing with us next uh, and and pray your blessing upon these words. In Jesus' name. Amen.